Welcome to the Claremont County Public Library's Book Lovers Podcast. I'm your host, Laura, and today I'm joined by two librarians who are just crazy about children's books, Kara Hello. and, and Stacy. They're sharing their thoughts about the recently announced American Library Association's Youth Media Awards. Each year, the ALA awards outstanding books and other materials for children and teens. I'll have a link to the complete list of all the awards, nominees, and winners in the show notes for the program at ClaremontLibrary.org. So, Stacy, are you going to kick this off with the Caldecott books? Yes. All right. So I wanted to say first off that there are over 20 categories in the Youth Media Awards that are announced annually. So we obviously can't talk about all of them. So Karen and I kind of got together before this and we decided which categories we were going to talk about. So we wanted to hit the major awards and then hopefully we'll be able to talk about a few of the lesser known but still very well loved, I would say, categories. So I'm going to kick it off with the Caldecott, which I feel like probably people who love children's literature obviously know what the Caldecott is. But it is awarded annually to the artist of the most distinguished American picture book for children published the previous year. So I love this award because it goes to the illustrator, which um, most of the awards go to the author. So the winner this year was We Are Water Protectors, illustrated by Michaela Goad, and it was written by Carol Lindstrom. And I think the biggest thing about the, the win this year for the Caldecott is it is the first Native American who has won this award. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's huge, which is awesome. In 2018, there was a study done of representation in picture books, and there was 1% of characters were Native American in picture books that were published in 20, and this was from 2018. So hopefully it's increased, and it has increased in the past few years. But of all the picture books that were published in 2018, which were over 3,000, only 1% included Native American characters. So for a Native American author and illustrator to win this award that featured Native American characters is huge, which is wonderful. Michaela is an enrolled um, member of the Tlingit and Haida tribes of, of Alaska, which I thought was very interesting. We Are Water Protectors is about conservation. We Are Water Protectors is a direct response to the production of the Dakota Access Pipeline and the protest by the Sioux tribes. So both the author and the illustrator, there's a note at the end of the book saying that those protests really inspired both of them. And they really just wanted to create a story based on true events. So I think it's just really special that it won one of the most major awards for children's literature. And I also think it's interesting how with the other books that won the honors, some of them were were very well known, I think, and received several star reviews from different publications, and then others didn't. So there was an honor book, and it was A Place Inside of Me, a poem to heal the heart. It was illustrated by Noah Denman, and it was written by Zeta Elliott. So that one won one of the honors, but when it was published, it only received two trade reviews, and none of them were starred. But it wins the Caldecott honor, which I, I'm not saying that it shouldn't have. It's just so interesting to me how some books receive a lot of a, like media attention, 
and others don't, which I think it really speaks to the committee. I think Kara probably knows more about the standards like that the committee adheres to. She could probably speak to it a little bit at least, but I don't know exactly like all the rules and regulations they have to follow, but I think it speaks to the committee's determination to review as many picture books as possible. So not just the ones that get really great reviews, but every, maybe not everything, but as close to everything as possible. I think it's really interesting how, yeah, like you were saying, the committee, it's hard to predict where they're going with things because they have so many books to choose from. Uh, I think I read at least at the Newberry Committee, I'm more familiar with their process and and information Mm But, you know, gets thousands of books shipped to them for their year that they're on the committee and how to sift through those and give each one the attention that it deserves. I don't know how they do it. But, yeah, I think that it's really hard to predict because there are so many books and just because it was well-reviewed or not well-reviewed means nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe I find it frustrating that we don't get to hear the committee's deliberations. We never understand why Mm -hmm. they chose things because they don't release any of that information. So... It's just all kind of mysterious. (laughs) Yes. That's so interesting to me. I probably should have looked this up beforehand, but I don't know what year this is for the awards. I know there have been awards added over the years, too. So I wonder if it's always been like that, that we don't know really the criteria or why. I assume so. I believe the Newberry's from the 20s. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And then the 30s, approximately. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm sure they'll be celebrating once it hits 100 years of the awards. I don't think we've quite gotten there yet in a couple years, maybe. That's so interesting. And to for the committee to review thousands of books, that sounds like a full-time job. But obviously, like, these people have full-time jobs. They're mostly, you know, librarians, teachers. What I also thought was interesting is there is an honor that is a nonfiction uh, picture book. And what I thought was interesting is there is a nonfiction picture book that won an honor this year, and that is The Catman of Aleppo, and that's illustrated by Yuko Shimizu, and it's written by Irene Latham and Kareem Shamsi Basha. So that is about a cat rescue during the Syrian Civil War. And I did a tiny bit of research on the book, And Shimizu has an illustrator's note in the back of the book. She said she spent about half of her time that she had allotted to illustrate this book, which was nine months, on just purely research. So the illustrations are very detailed, which I think is interesting. A creator by the same name also is is the person who created Hello Kitty, but that's not this Yuko Shimizu. That's a different, which I thought was funny. Yeah. (laughs) And just quickly, the other two honors, Me and Mama, illustrated by Cosby A. Cabrera, and then Outside In, illustrated by Cindy Derby. I visited both of those illustrators' websites, and I think it's worth it to do so. Cosby... Um, Along with being an artist and illustrator, she makes cloth dolls that she sells, and they're absolutely gorgeous. So you should check that out. And then Cindy Derby on her website has time-lapse videos of her watercolor illustrations for Outside In. I love time-lapse videos for everything, food, uh, art. So it's really neat to see. And she uses watercolors, which is my personal favorite for illustrations. 
And I should point out We Are Water um, Protectors is done in watercolor as well, which I think is very fitting. Okay. We'll move on to the next category, I guess, which is Newberry. Yeah, my favorite category, so I snagged that one. <laughs> it totally cares wheelhouse. Yes. So the Newberry is for the most outstanding contribution to children's literature in the previous year. And a lot of times we think about middle grade for that category, so grades four through six, which often does place in, in the award. But really the age range is for ages zero to 14. So sometimes people are surprised when picture books are included, but they're perfectly well within their rights, as are books for like younger teens, which sometimes gets people a little up in arms because they think it's too old for the Newberry age, but it goes up to mm-hmm. age 14. So in, in the past couple of years, we've seen a lot more of those young YA kind of titles coming in for Newberry. But this year, it was a really nice mix. There were three middle grade books. One of them was The Winner, which is When You Trap a Tiger by Tay Keller. I had heard a little bit of buzz on that one. I never got around to reading it, so I Mm -hmm. snatched it up from the library. So I've just started it. I'm not too far into it, but I have been enjoying it. And then the other two middle grade ones are Fighting Words by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley, which I'm so glad they recognized. I was hoping that this one would win the award, but, you know, getting an honor is is a huge honor as well. So this one is the story of Della and her sister Suki, and they escape a bad situation and get placed in foster care. So it's kind of the fallout of what happened to them. It's a little bit of a mystery that you see as the book unfolds what actually happened to their family. I just love Della's voice. I did not listen to the audiobook of this one, which I believe got an Odyssey Award, which is for audiobooks. I think it was an honor. So I'm sure it was fantastic. But even just reading the text, her voice is really strong. Uh, You can tell what kind of character she is right away. And I really liked her. So I think kids will identify with her. It does deal with some really heavy topics. So it's got child abuse and mental health issues that it deals with. But I think that is really important, you know, topics to talk about in the right setting. And it's really done in an age-appropriate way. So it's not like you would feel like it's, something you couldn't give to a middle grade audience. Yeah. I think that that is so important. There's been a lot of talk recently about like heavier topics for middle grade and people are really coming out in support of it because children of all ages go through traumatic events. And as long as it is written age appropriately, personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with it being a kid's book. I'm glad you're seeing some support for it because some of the groups that I follow that talk about Newberry titles, some of them, I think it's a mix of like teachers and librarians. Some of them are like, I really don't think I should put this in my library. And that's disheartening to me that it was written for that age group, but they're afraid to talk about those. And that Mm -hmm. might be a generational thing or, you know, maybe they're from a conservative area, but I do Mm -hmm. see some pushback. I saw on fighting words, some people said, I wouldn't give that to a a kid in elementary school. Oh, I think that's so, I mean, especially mental health. Everybody Mm -hmm. has mental health issues, even little kids. And I think if we don't normalize that that's a part of everybody's makeup, it's just like your physical health. I think that's doing kids a real disservice. Yeah, exactly. I think the acceptance is growing, but I still am seeing some pushback. And how interesting, because there are so many picture books published about emotions, anxiety, dealing with emotions, with things that come up. 
But when you kind of get into the meat of it for middle grade, it's like, oh, no, no, like, we can't let them read this on their own. But, you know, hopefully a caregiver or a teacher or librarian can supplement, like, not just here's this book, but here's this book and let's talk about it. So I think that's Yep. So that is was one of the honors that was a middle grade. We Dream of Space by Erin Entrada Kelly was another middle grade honor book and A Wish in the Dark by Christina Suntervat. I think those are interesting as well. Erin Entrada Kelly won the Newbery a couple of years ago. And then the A Wish in the Dark, I have not read, but two of my librarian friends have. It's a retelling of Les Mis, which I guess isn't always obvious from the outset. I think maybe if you read a summary, you know, or mm-hmm. are very familiar with the story. So that's just a really interesting topic. Yeah. But they they seem to like it pretty well. And then the other two honors to round it out were a nonfiction, all 13, also by Christina Suntervat. So there have been, I think, maybe one or two instances in the past where someone's mm-hmm. won two honors in the same year. And she won some other awards for that, too, the Yalsa nonfiction and cyber honors as well. Mm-hmm. So it looks fantastic. I, I browsed through it when we got it at the branch, never ended up reading it. But it's the subtitle is the incredible cave rescue of the Thai boys soccer team. So if you remember that from the news, yeah, back, very suspenseful. Mm-hmm. So, yep. And then the last one that was uh, an honor, a Newbery honor book was a picture book. So box Henry Brown mails himself yeah. to freedom by Carol Boston Weatherford. And those are written in verse or little poems mm-hmm. that go along with the illustrations. So Definitely an interesting choice, but I think it's well-deserved. Yes. I watched that book, actually. So there is a read-along movie available on Hoopla for Box. It's long, so I definitely think it's age-appropriate for the Newberry. Like you were saying, the Newberry is, is for a wide age range. But I would use it to teach, if I were a teacher, an upper elementary unit because there's just so much in that story that is a true story that you could teach. And the illustrations are beautiful in that. I feel like that could have that could have been a Caldecott contender as well. I don't know if they were, it looks like they were painted. I don't know if they were oil or um, acrylic, but they're just gorgeous illustrations too. And very cool perspectives. I believe there's one where he shows him in the box and how yes. wished he was in there mm-hmm. and talks about how he survived his trip and people were like sitting on the box when it was being transported and yes. it was upside down when he wasn't supposed to be. So yeah. definitely some, I think you could work in some, physical aspects if you were teaching it like let's see what that would be like you know maybe test it out with a big cardboard box just to give them an idea yeah a lot of teaching opportunities which is great so I wanted to talk about some books that I love from last year that I wish had been recognized for the Newberry Committee that unfortunately they just didn't pick them this year for whatever reason but I would highly recommend that you read them and I had to cut this list way down, as you can understand. I had a lot more that I loved, but I tried to be brief. So I picked two pairs of books. So the first two are like early chapter books, which I think the committee hardly ever recognizes. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's just an awkward age group. It's kind of maybe hard to, to get a handle on what's good. Those are also just mm-hmm. hard to find. I have a lot of parents that ask for them in the library, and you kind of have to know what you're going for because they're not just sprinkled throughout the collection. Mm -hmm. So I would say these are for grades two through four. 
This one is by Renee Watson. It's called Ways to Make Sunshine. It's just such a cute, realistic fiction, kind of slice of life. If you like Ramona, I think Mm -hmm. you would like these. It was really cool to see just a portrayal of a contemporary Black family, Mm -hmm. you know, going through their life. So she, the main character's name is Ryan. She has a lot going on. Her um, family's just moved, and she's about to have a new sibling in her family, but she's trying to make the best of it, which is where the title comes from. So Cute. I really liked that one. That cover's other, adorable. I know. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> well, then you're going to love this cover. <laughs> this one is Skunk and Badger by Amy Timberlake. I would recommend this to anybody, any age. Mm-hmm. If you like children's literature, if you like animal books, I kind of compare it to Frog and Toad, even though it's on yeah. a higher reading level. I think the committee may have had, if they considered it, they may have had a hard time because it's an illustrated chapter book. So, again, mm-hmm. doesn't really fit into a nice uh, box there. It's illustrated by John Clausen, which, you know, if you know his hat books, everybody just loves him. And I actually fell in love with it because of the audio book. It's read by Michael Boatman. I'm so sad that it didn't get recognized by the Odyssey Committee. I don't know how if I've ever laughed that much. I can guarantee pretty much that I have not laughed that much with an audiobook. His reading is just perfect, and he makes up these voices that are so distinct for Skunk and Badger. So it's kind of an odd couple story. They don't get along, but they have to move in together. And <laughs> oh, they just get into silly Badger is focused on his serious rock work and skunk likes to cook. So he's always making these huge messes. He makes delicious food, but it makes a mess. And of course, Badger doesn't like it. So just (laughs) hilarity ensues. Love skunk and Badger. And then the other pair that I picked are historical fiction. So this one is Echo Mountain by Lauren Wolk. I think her books are always talked about for Newberry. She did get an honor for Wolf Hollow, which was set during uh, World War II. Echo Mountain is set during the Great Depression, so the main character, Ellie, her family has lost their home and their jobs in the Great Depression, so they actually move to Echo Mountain and just are living kind of out in the wilderness. There's a small community there, but then there's an accident with her dad. He falls into a coma, and he was doing the bulk of the work to support their family, so she tries to find a cure for him. She finds some new friends that are helping her with that, but there's lots of, like, It's kind of like a survival story. I mean, all the things she encounters, like bees and all kinds of animals that cause trouble. So it's got that aspect to it, too. So I really enjoyed that one. And then my last one for historical fiction is The Blackbird Girls by Anne Blankman. This one was fantastic. It did win, I believe, an honor for the Sydney Taylor Award, which is a Books that authentically display the Jewish experience. So it says, in the wreckage of Chernobyl, a friendship is born. So that's two girls whose fathers work for the Chernobyl power plant. And, of course, when the reactor exploded in the 80s is when this is set. So they do not get along. Valentina's family is Jewish, and Oksana's family has racist views toward her family. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot dealing with race in the book, 
And then when they are evacuated, they're kind of forced together. They do become friends and they go live with Valentina's grandmother. And so it does also give like alternating chapters about the grandmother as a child escaping the German invasion during World War II. So really complex story, super well written. I listened to the audiobook and I loved it. So it was sad not to see that one either. It's hard when there's so many good books that are published. And do you know how many possible honors they can name? Because sometimes they only name two, sometimes they'll name four or five. Is there a limit? Do you know? I don't know that there is a limit. It seems like if they choose a lot, it's about five. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they've ever chosen six or more. They can choose none if they want to. Right. They don't usually do that, but it is kind of surprising when they only choose like two or three. I was like, out of all the books published this year, there's only a handful that you would award. But again, like the committee's different every year. Like you said, you don't know their criteria. It's just, it's so tricky. Yeah, I guess they have different rounds of kind of negotiations where they'll meet Mm -hmm. and they'll talk about, like, they'll do balloting and they'll vote for books that they liked and then they kind of get them narrowed down. So they do that a couple times throughout the year, usually at the midwinter meeting for ALA and then, Mm -hmm. you know, closer to the event when they announce Our next category, um, we're going to talk about some of the Credit Scott King Awards. So there's actually four different Credit Scott King categories. There's an author award, an illustrator award, the Credit Scott King John Steptoe Award, which is for new talent, and then the Credit Scott King Virginia Hamilton Award, and that is for a lifetime achievement. So my favorite is the illustrator category. I feel like that goes along well with my love for the Calicot, but yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna jump in with the author. I feel like I should define the award before we get started. Yeah. It's for recognizing an African American author and illustrator of outstanding books for children and young adults. So it's kind of for all age groups. They've got the author, like Stacey said, and the illustrator. So I like how they cover kind of all their bases with one award. Yeah, that's really neat. And the the Illustrator Award went to one of my favorite nonfiction picture books this year, and that was R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Aretha Franklin, The Queen of Soul. And the illustrator is Frank Morrison. It is written by Carol Boston Weatherford. So so that's the Illustrator Award. So Frank Morrison um, won that. And he has won several Credit Scott King Awards before. So he won the John Steptoe Award for New Talent. And then two of his previous picture books won Illustrator Honor Awards in previous years. So this book is about Aretha Franklin, of course, and it chronicles her childhood and it focuses a lot on her spirituality, her connection with her church and how that influenced her music. And his oil paintings are just absolutely gorgeous. I feel like every spread, if there was a print available on his website, I would want to purchase them because they're just, they're so beautiful. So he is an obviously a, a recognized, amazing talent and definitely, I think, deserved this award. There were three honor books this year. One was Magnificent Homespun Brown, A Celebration by Kehlani Juanita. And then the two other honors, Exquisite, The Poetry and Life of Gwendolyn Brooks, and then Me and Mama, were both illustrated by Cosby A. Cabrera. And Me and Mama won one of the Calcutta honors as well. So she was just 
racking them all up this year. She's got a lot of recognition, which I think is great. Well, I brought some of the books from the Author Book Award. So I read the winner and one of the honors. So I thought I would talk about those. So the winner is Before the Ever After by Jacqueline Woodson. And I think most people who are familiar with children's literature know that she is just like an absolute powerhouse in children's literature and YA. She did have an adult novel last year that was really great. So she is just kind of all over the board, which is really cool. And she is a former national ambassador for children's literature. So definitely highly regarded in the children's literature world. And I love this story. I listened to the audiobook. It's a novel in verse, which really fits with the main character's kind of way of looking at life. He's a musician, so he likes to write songs and play music. His name is ZJ, and his dad is a professional football player. And so it deals with how, you know, his dad won a Super Bowl, so he's been playing for a long time, very successful player, but obviously sustained a lot of injuries, as football players do, and starts to have violent outbursts and memory loss. And it's set in the 90s before they knew a lot about how concussions and traumatic brain injuries are connected so they don't get a lot of help. And so it's kind of how he and his mom deal with his dad's decline What I really liked about this book is that he has a lot of family support and a lot of friend support. So it was really cool to see a portrayal of like a strong black support system. I really liked that one. And then there were three honors. So All the Days Past, All the Days to Come by Mildred D. Taylor, who's another one who's been around for a long time. Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. I have not read the newest one as part of that series. Did you get to that one, Stacey? No, I didn't. How how long ago was the first one in that series? A long time. Years? <laughs> yeah. Like it oh, was I a long longer. time. I bet it's longer because I remember it and I am much older than the two of you. So it's probably 40. <laughs> it might be plus. 40. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's what I think is interesting is Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry is the second in that series. It's not the first but it's like the most well-known because it won the newberry i believe the year it was published so the newest book all it is past all it is come it's in our ya collection so it's actually it's written for like a little bit older age group because it follows the same families and carrie you're going to talk about this i'm sorry (laughs) no you can i hadn't read it so i haven't read it either but there was like huge just excitement when it was announced that I think this is going to be the last in the series because it's such a beloved series and people have literally grown up with the characters. So it's really neat. Yeah. So another of the honors is Lifting as We Climb, Black Women's Battle for the Ballot Box, written by Yvette Dion. So that one, I did look through it briefly, but I didn't read that one either. So I'm going to talk about the third one, which I did read, is King and the Dragonflies by Case and Calendar. And they won the National Book Award for children's literature for this book. So fantastic book that definitely was talked about a lot before award season. So we kind of knew that it was in the running. I feel like it's a really different story than most of the ones that were out there for 2020. King, his brothers just passed away, and he believes that he is visiting him in the form of a dragonfly. So that's where the title comes from. So his family is dealing with a lot of grief. But most of the book centers around 
King and his classmate Sandy, who's gone missing. And he used to be friends with Sandy. He's not anymore. So it's kind of part of the mystery of why aren't they friends anymore? And then where is Sandy? And then, of course, the family dynamics with King and his parents who are grieving. And he keeps trying to reach out to them. And they're not being supportive. So I thought it was interesting how it's kind of two different perspectives on grief between Before the Ever After and King and the the Dragonflies and how families react to it, how they support each other. So his dad is finally supportive in the end. There's a scene where, you know, he's trying to talk to his dad and his dad says, I really don't know how to feel about you being gay, but I love you. I want you to know that. So, you know, it's interesting that it's a very honest approach and realistic and how he's not getting a ton of support, but he finally kind of feels heard at the end. So I listened to the audiobook of that one as well. I do a lot of audio, so I enjoyed that one. It's set on the Louisiana Bayou. So it's definitely got that Southern flavor to it. Awesome. And Kaysen is a relatively new author. They've, I think, had another book out a few years ago. Yeah, they've been very, very well received, mm. very well reviewed. Yeah. The hurricane season? Yeah. That, that might be it. Um, oh, it's on the front here of the, t- of the cover. <laughs> the Stonewall Book Award winner, Hurricane Child. Hurricane Child. That was great. So I definitely think they're going to be around for a long time and probably coming out with new and inventive ways to delight us with children's literature and probably win lots more awards. So we're going to segue into young adult titles now with the Prince Thank Award, you. and that is for Excellence in literature written for young adults and the winner this year was one of my favorite actually middle grade books so it is everything sad is untrue a true story by daniel nayeri and it is technically written for more of a middle grade audience but i think personally goes up to high school so another book about grief there's there's a lot of there was a lot of grief in children's literature this year so I don't know what that says about Makes sense for 2020, yeah. which I think is interesting because all of these books, you know, their manuscripts or the ideas started years and years ago. Like all of the stuff that came out, people are like, it's so fitting for 2020, but it just is like kind of coincidence that yeah. stuff was published, you know, in this year that, you know, so many things happened, but it's such a wonderful story. Everything Sad is Untrue. It has a really, I think, eye-catching cover on it. House and, like, Tornado just kind of visually depicts the main character, Kosaru, and what he has to go through. So he and his family are immigrants from Iran. They lived in a refugee camp in Italy. And so it's about his experiences. It's based on the author's actual experiences. And it was just so well-received. The publisher, Levine Cuerdo, was a newer publishing company. And they published two prints, honor, the, the winner and an honor book, which was Apple Skin to the Core. So that, that was one of the honor books as well. And that is by Eric Gansworth, who is... A 
pretty prolific, I would say, children's young adult author. And that one is written in verse, and it is about his own experiences as an author. And apple is actually a derogatory term used against Native Americans, which I did not know until I read this book. So it is meant in a derogatory way as a Native American who is red on the outside, white on the inside. So it is kind of a way that the title is is a play on that kind of way that he takes back, I think, ownership of that. And that one was just beautifully written as well and got a lot of really great great buzz. Everybody Looking by Candace Elo was another honor that got a lot of buzz, but then I didn't really hear a lot about it after it came out. I watched a live interview with Candace and Jason Reynolds, who if you're a YA fan, you I'm sure have heard of him. He wrote Long Way Down, The Boy in the Black Suit, all of, you know, tons of different stamps, tons of different titles. And he really hyped this book up. And then I feel like it got really quiet afterwards. So I was really excited to see that it won an honor. So that was really nice. So it's also in verse, which I think is interesting. So the committee picked some like really different kind of titles, I think, for prints. They picked like a middle grade for the winner, two books in verse. So Karen and I both read that. Karen, do you want to talk a little bit about Dragon Hoops? Yeah, and it's interesting to hear you talking about the first two that you mentioned, the winner and then Apple, because I meant to read both of those, never got around to them, but it sounds like they're kind of based in memoir which we've been getting a lot of requests for, especially from like our local high school teachers. They're doing units on memoirs and Dragon Hoops is as well, but it goes quite a bit further beyond that. So it's a really interesting mix of memoir and history. And the author, Jean Lin Yang, he also talks about his life as an author and just kind of his personal life and how he reacts when he's writing a story and how that affects his personal life. So really interesting look at a lot of different things. It's very complex. So it's the story of him kind of not being a sports guy, but wanting to get sports. So he decides that he's going to chronicle a season of his the high school that he works at, their uh, basketball team, all the way through the state championship. So they've always been pretty good, usually have a shot at that. So that's what he's following. But then he also mixes in the history of basketball itself and how it's perceived in Asian culture, so kind of racial aspects to it as well and how those players are received once they get to the NBA. Um, But I just marked this page because I think it's really interesting how he portrays it visually. So he's got the clock counting down and then the action in the middle. He did a really great job of that throughout the book. So I did love that one. I'm glad that it won something. I think it's got a lot of teen appeal too, which is they don't consider that for most of the awards. They're just looking for the best. They don't really necessarily care about the kid appeal factor, which is something I always read for because I'm wanting to share it with kids. But I think that that one has it. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It is like heartwarming. It's funny. Jean's work is always kind of like a really cool mix of of those two. And it actually made me care about basketball, which I don't care about. But I really wanted them to win. So it was really exciting to read about it. One, another graphic novel that I wish so, so badly, which would have won, 
any award, but especially the Prince, was Flamer by Mike Curato. I really wish that kind of really thought it was going to and surprised that it didn't. So that one I loved. But the other honor was Tracy Cheese, We Are Not Free. I read about so many since it's my job as a collection development librarian. I read about so many books, which I'm like, sounds great. Add it to the list. Add it to the list. And then I never get around to reading it. So that one is definitely on my to-be-read list. So that wraps up the words. If Sarah, if you wanted to talk about our last category. Yeah, so I brought some books for the Schneider Family Book Award, which recognizes books that embody an artistic expression of the disability experience. So again, another award that goes through different age levels. So they have a young children's winner, which is usually a picture book, um, a middle grades winner, and then a teen winner. So they picked winners in those categories and some honors. Interestingly enough, they did not pick an honor at all for teen. So I thought that I always think it's interesting when they don't pick an honor. It kind of makes the the winner stand out even more. But I thought this category was cool because I'd read all the winners, which doesn't happen a lot. So uh, I was like, let's talk about that one. And definitely very, very relevant topics and kind of a, a good mix of representation, too. So the picture book winner or the young children's category winner is I Talk Like a River which is a gorgeous picture book. And when I first saw it online, you know, you sometimes see a preview of the the cover, not very large. I thought it was a photograph yeah, because um, it's just gorgeous, but mm-hmm. it's really well done. Just beautiful art about the child and how he's feeling. So the child has a stutter, but it doesn't actually use that word in the text until the very end of the book, which I think mm-hmm. is a really interesting approach too. He just uses metaphors that are tied to nature. So he talks about how he feels like he has a pine tree in his mouth. That's The roots are tangled up with his tongue, and he feels like there's moon dust on his lips, and he can't talk around it, and how embarrassing that can be. But then his dad takes him to the river, which is where he likes to go when he has a bad day, and his dad says, you talk like a river. And so he really reflects on that and identifies with it that, yes, the river can be chaotic, but it's also very calming, And it's always moving. So it is like how he talks, but he sees that as a positive thing. He draws strength from it. He, you know, really identifies with that. So beautiful illustrations and a beautiful Mm -hmm. message. And it's got a nice author's note at the end that talks about how this is based on the character's nameless, but it's based on the author who's a poet and based on his childhood. And his dad really did tell him that he talks like a river. So very cool. Listen, I actually watched this book too. So on Hoopla, there's a read-along video and it is narrated by the author. And when he's reading it in the story, he does stutter. So I think that's very interesting because when you're reading it, you can tell right away what, you know, his his difficulty with speech is. But when then when you're reading the book, like you're not quite sure maybe until the end, what is he talking about? I talk like a river. So that's, yeah, that's so interesting. And I agree, beautiful illustrations. I love that one. The next one, I don't have a copy of it because they're all checked out, which is a good thing. So I read this one online. It's called Show Me a Sign by Anne Claire Lazat, and it's the middle grades winner for the Schneider Family Book Award. And it was a really interesting historical fiction that's based in reality about a deaf community on Martha's Vineyard. It's set at the very beginning of the 17th century, so kind of a new settlement there. 
And it explores how the community has different ways of communicating. Because they're isolated, they kind of come up with their own sign language. Some of them are hearing, some of them are deaf, so they have different ways of communicating. And the main character, Mary, her family, her mom is hearing, but she and her dad are deaf. So it's interesting how the text portrays them signing like it uses words it doesn't like depict the signs but it also gives like textual clues of how the deaf person would react or what they're thinking because they're not hearing you know any of the noise that's going on in their world so really interesting perspective and also kind of a suspenseful book her brother has just passed away so her family's dealing with grief so more grief (laughs) And she has friends on the island, so it's kind of just her life at the beginning, kind of setting the scene. And then this man comes to the island, so he's like an outsider. And he wants to study the deaf community, but he's very, very derogatory toward them, does not have positive views of deaf people. And he ends up kidnapping her because he wants a specimen to study with this doctor that he works with in Boston. So he kidnaps her and takes her to Boston And so part of the story is her trying to escape and get back home. So it's really action-packed at the end. It's a little slow at the beginning. I think it would be a good read aloud. But the author is actually a deaf author and librarian. So very authentic. She did a lot of research for it. I think this would be a great movie, too. Yeah. sounds like, wow. (laughs) And she's writing another book. It's not a sequel. It's a companion book. But I think it's supposed to come out this year. So I'm looking forward to that. And then the teen winner for uh, Schneider Family Book Award is This Is My Brain in Love Hmm. by I.W. Gregorio. And she has written a cute teen romance that I really enjoyed. But it's a lot more complex than that. So it's the story of Jocelyn and Will, and Jocelyn's family owns a Chinese restaurant called A+, and Will's looking for a summer job. So she ends up hiring him because they need marketing help. It's a failing restaurant, and her dad's planning to move them back to New York City, and she doesn't want to move. So they're trying to save their restaurants. They kind of have all these adventures surrounding their restaurant. They're trying a food cart. Lots of dumplings in this book. It will make you very hungry. (laughs) Yes, but it's also dealing with their relationship that's new. So it's really cute how they kind of fall in love over the course of the book. She's not supposed to be in a relationship. Jocelyn's family doesn't allow that. So that's part of the story. And then they both have mental health issues that are are addressed. So that's why uh, this was recognized for Schneider. Jocelyn's dealing with undiagnosed depression, and she really doesn't want to acknowledge that because there's such a stigma in her community about that. And then Will does go to therapy for his anxiety, but he's having a really hard time controlling it. The text shows how it affects their relationship and how they're trying to deal with that in the midst of everything else. So I really enjoyed that one. Again, with kind of heavier topics like mental health, anxiety, I think is such a huge concern for a lot of young adults. And I did read an interview with the author and she talked in the interview a lot about her own experiences with mental health and how she got help. So I think, again, if it's written in a helpful way that's age appropriate, I think can just be such kind of like a lifeline for the people. Yeah, you can tell that she wrote it that way. As an adult Mm -hmm. listening to it, I was almost like, okay, this is a little too much because it seems didactic. But I think if you've never been introduced to how do you get help, Mm -hmm. 
her incorporating it into the story and kind of explaining those things can be really helpful for a lot of teens. So I do think it's valuable. Right. That's wonderful. It is. It's exciting to see so many books that are dealing with difficult topics and also things that are own voices. That makes me super happy. Absolutely. So thank you both for coming on and talking about all these amazing books. I really appreciate that. Thank you. To have people who are passionate about the books that they work with every day. I always think that's fun. So remember that a complete list of nominees and winners will be available in the show notes. Visit ClaremontLibrary.org to find them. Thank you, listeners and viewers. If you're listening to the podcast, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode of the Book Lovers podcast. Viewers, subscribe to the Claremont Library YouTube channel for this and other great library-created content. Thank you, everybody.